welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. We are on the road at Compulsion 2018 in Edinburgh. I'm your host Ben Porter and I am joined today by Richard Denning. Hello. Richard, you, you actually wear quite a few hats within this industry, don't you? So do you want to briefly tell us what it is you're doing here today? Yep. And then we can talk about your other hats. Well, my, I suppose my main role here today is I'm at Medusa Games, yep. uh, which is um, um, a small indie um, publisher. So we published The Great Fire of London was our first game in yes. 2010. Um, a couple of years ago we did um, Tinker Taylor and the Nine Worlds. Did an expansion to that and the latest game we're working on, which we're demoing here today, is Magnificent Fly Machines, mm-hmm. which is a prototype which we hope to have out um, in, the, in the autumn. So that's uh, me as a as an indie indie publisher. Yeah. Uh, I'm also an author, um, so I'm um, a self-published author of historical, mainly historical fiction, also historical fantasy and science yeah. fiction. Um, so I've you know I've, I've been doing that since about uh, when the Kindle first came to the uh, the UK in about 20, uh, 2010, I think. Oh, wow. um, okay, so uh, I've actually been writing. I've been writing long much longer than that I've yeah. been writing the 15-20 years but um, I've yes I've got um, I think we're on to book 11 or book 12 at the moment um, of various different series historical fiction and fantasy um, and they're, they're sort of um, particularly the historical um, fiction ones are you know, pretty well received within their um, genre mm-hmm. um, for a self-published author like myself um, so I'm sort of fairly pleased with the way where they're going um, and I suppose my other, my main, the day job um, is I'm the director of the UK Games Expo, um, yeah. which obviously is your annual event, biggest uh, hobby games convention in the UK, uh, which is only seven weeks away now. Uh, yeah. so, some would so, say the, the yeah. big one for the UK as far as uh, yes, yes, I think it's the it's certainly the largest um, you know weekend um, hobby games convention. Um, yeah. of, uh, Salute is obviously a big one for war games, um, yeah. but I think we have, have, have the largest in total number of attendance of any hobby games, war games, tabletop gaming, role playing in the in, in the UK. And depending on how you count it, it's potentially third largest in the world. Um, the largest, of course, the two biggies are Essen Spiel in Germany mm-hmm. and uh, Gen Con Indy, uh, mm-hmm. which are just um, monsters of uh, yeah, in the yeah. size. Um, but uh, we're Last year we sort of briefly passed the um, attendance of Origins, which is um, uh, was probably third largest in the world. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're sort of neck and neck with them, and we're expectation this year is we'll probably pass their numbers again. Whether they'll then catch up with us, because they always follow us about three weeks later. We'll wait and see. We don't really mind that to be honest. So it's never for the industry to be growing is good. So it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, to be honest, but um, it's good that the shows are out there and are getting getting bigger. Um, so there are there are a few of us around the world um, that are maybe not quite strictly hobby games conventions. So you've got the Comic Con type events, which happen to have yeah. gaming. So Luca Games and Comics is mainly comic thing that has a lot of games. That's mm-hmm. quite a big that's a big one. Yeah, I suppose you've got uh, things like Adepticon, yeah. which yeah, are, Adepticon. I think yeah. I think that was like a tournament, and then the wider convention. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah. And then we've got um, things like PAX, um, which are our the board game, and PAX yeah. and Blood. Um, and um, there's Cannes there's Festival in, in France, which yeah. is sort of toys and sort of toy fair, which is also games as well. 
Uh, so there's quite a few um, around the world, but I think it, we, we, would, we would put ourselves into the same um, area as sort of the Gen Con indie style show. Sure. Know, sort of, um, a hobby games convention with things going on for multiple days, across all genres of tabletop gaming, un- un- unplugged gaming really, not electronic gaming. Yeah. Um, and I think that's um, where we would put ourselves. Um, a focused event rather than maybe a wider comic um, based event or sure um, although we do have comic um, people selling comics we have people certain doing cosplay um, at the expo it's um, it's sort of that, that that is our focus the tabletop mm-hmm. gaming mm-hmm. we sort of have a bit of a tagline everything about games which is really yeah. what we what we uh, well, we're, well, we always aim at that. Is it, you know, is it mainly about games, and then? Yeah, then, that's the that's the yeah. focus yeah, of, that's the of focus. UK Games Expo. So, um, well, one of the things I, we recently had Mark Cook of, yep. of Aircon yep. on the show, yep. yes, um, yeah. which has grown massively. Yes, in the, in the that. time that's that's been there, it's st- still, I guess, as conventions go, uh, sort of modest in size, but. How, have you noticed with the likes of UK Games Expo that there's been quite an increase in attendance to these things in recent years? Oh yes, I mean when we started up, uh, we went to Eschen Spiel in 2006 and at that point uh, there was uh, there were a number of small um, conventions around which mainly were open gaming type events really, so uh, Manicon, Midcon, Daycon, sure, yeah. uh, 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 which were uh, great at what they did. You basically went along with your games and you played games all weekend. Um, but they didn't have much in the way of publisher, trader, exhibitor presence. Yeah. Uh, and certainly not much of the uh, other stuff that tends to go on at a, mm-hmm. at a big convention. Um, you know, so cosplays, but also seminars and all the workshops mm-hmm. and things that we do, entertainment events and so on. Uh, and they were the ones that were around at the time. Uh, and they still are. They're still running. Um, uh, but I think what's happened um, at the time that we launched it, there was Gen Con UK, which doesn't 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 run anymore. But that was mostly a role playing orientated event, and not really a sort of public event. Although public could go to it, it was, so, it was, so that, was you know, that directly an arm of the American. Gen yeah, Con? There, there was there was a time when Gen, Gen Con licensed out essentially um, uh, the franchise, I suppose is the word, uh, franchised okay, out yeah, the brand. Yeah. So there was a Gen Con SoCal, which is briefly an event that happened in California. There was one in France, in Paris. There was one in Australia, I think, and, and, and the UK. Mm-hmm. The UK one did run for quite a lot of years. Okay. Uh, and it was heavily role-playing, quite a lot of CCGs, some board gaming, but not, but not much. Yeah. Uh, and very much about going along and playing role-playing games, you know, most, most of the weekend. Uh, not much really you would say orientated towards the general public the mainstream and trying to make the, the whole thing uh, yeah. accessible and, and, and mainstream uh, so that was the that was the atmosphere and the sort of environment as it were that we came into so lots mm-hmm. of little open gaming shows Gen Con Indie lots of war game shows all over the place the yeah. UK also has, has lots of big war game shows like Salute uh, Triples which was in Sheffield for many years um, so you're well catered for if you wanted to go and play war games and wanted to get your war game stuff you uh, certainly there was a certain amount of it going on for role playing board games you certainly could be if you wanted to play it but there wasn't really the environment to for publishers to come to to show their games um, for um, publish and for play testing to be going on and for um, or not not a very large extent really certainly so we looked at all of that and we went to Gen Con so, addressing Spiel, 
um, basically went wow, which is enormous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we thought, okay, let's look at this. I mean, this is obviously a huge event. Of course, Essen has been around for 35 years, is it now? Um, and um, so we want something that does some of that in the UK. So we went, so we went and spoke to all of the pretty much any publisher. We went around every all the British companies and exhibitors that were at, at Essen. All right, all ourselves on every convention we could get to, all all genres. We spoke to as many people as we could, and we managed to effectively get you know, thirty or forty exhibitors that first year, two thousand and seven, along um, the old Clarendon suites that we used to use, um, and eight of the people. So it's a pretty good first year. Yeah. And the concept of an event where you go to and the publishers that are showing their games and demonstrating their games, where you can have a go at prototypes as well as their games on sale um, and where you can buy the stuff as well if you want to but also tournaments happening alongside um, all the organized things play organized play and that's one thing Essen doesn't do an awful lot of there's, okay. there's, there's, there's carpet so it's more, more of a trade show it's, it's very much a trade show it's very much it's yeah. absolutely by far the, large, the the place to go to if you want to release a new a new, a new game you know, yeah. um, um, you know, if you, you've got a board game that's you know, either there or Gen Con is, is, is probably you best thing definitely Essen is the place it should be on everyone every publisher's list of places to get yeah. to if you're trying to sell um, you know board games um, however you know we wanted to have something like that going on in the UK and hopefully over the years attract you know potentially new releases and new stuff at, at, our, at our event um, and so that's where we started from and it was a really, really pretty, pretty reasonable success to begin with but it was always a relatively core um, of the market so in other words it would be your board game enthusiasts that would come um, is the, for the weekend. The, the yeah. diehard fans. Yeah, the diehard fans. And we always, from the very start, tried to make it something that would appeal to the families. So we went and did an event in the local library in Birmingham. We were taking our games along and had Star Wars stormtroopers dressed up and this sort of thing. Uh, we went to the Tolkien weekend, which is an annual event. It used to happen in May in Birmingham, and it's now September. Uh, and... and uh, lots of families at that and yeah. so they said hey look all these games you can come and play um, and that always went and, and from the very first year we had a family zone the two or three years it was run just by ourselves but we're very lucky nowadays to have Imagination Gaming who specialists at doing you know, family okay. family gaming uh, events they go to schools they hold games or events all over the country and they uh, run our family zone um, which is sponsored by Haver this year um, and actually that's you know I'll come on to that but uh, so we, we wanted to make the family uh, side of things part of it as well. And right yeah. at the start we did that, but gradually as the years have gone by, we've got to the point of realising that we've, we've finally moved on from an event which is only for, predominantly for the enthusiast, to an event which hopefully appeals to the mainstream, which the families can yeah. come to and have a great day or even a weekend. Um, and so that's where the cosplay comes in, the face painting, the yeah, family sure. zone, the, the children's role-playing games, uh, the treasure hunts, uh, you know, scavenger hunting, the Viking camp, and all the rest of it that we do, the Vikings themselves. So all of that is there to try and make it something which the, you know, man in the street coming to is just thinking, what are all these wooden pieces and bits of card? But, yeah. you, know, you know, but hey, that looks cool, that's fun. And then, okay, this ticket to ride is quite good fun, but is there anything else? Um, yeah. Then at that point, you... You know, once you've got them playing and stuff, then then you can introduce Agricola <laughs> a bit further down the line, maybe, yeah. or terraforming Mars or something. You know, so um, so I think that's um, 
you know, that's how it, how it has developed over the years. I think, I think we were lucky that um, we hit it at a point that there wasn't, we had, a, we had a dream and a vision for it, that we wanted to make this show. Yeah. We had enthusiastic publishers who right from the very first year came along and, and supported us, some which are still with us, Ragnar Brothers and uh, um, Surprise Stare, there's, there's, there's a number of others, uh, some of the retailers that came from the first year as well, uh, but particularly the publishers, because that was the new the new thing that we were trying to bring in that wasn't really being done before in the UK. Um, and selling that as an idea that you know the, that the publishers could get enough people wanting to see their games. Yeah. At an event in the UK, now they also used to go to Germany. So everyone, you know, if you were a UK publisher, the only place you could think about going to was Essen Spiel in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, you think, well, that's a bit crazy. Why can't <laughs> why can't do something here? And I think that's where, going back to your question about Aircon um, and, and Dragon Meat, um, have both um, grown significantly in the last few years because they've um, engaged with a lot of that as well. Um, Being you know, more inclusive, yeah. So they, you know, they've gone with the thing about how can we make, how can we make this appeal to a more mainstream audience? How can we um, have uh, more going on than just hardcore board gamers playing games? Yeah. Um, you know, Aircon has done quite a lot of heavy emphasis on the open gaming. Um, mm-hmm. Has always been that way, uh, but has tried to, you know, has a family zone like, like we do with Imagination Gaming running it as well. Um, and I think that's you know, it's been a very successful growth in the last year or two in yeah. Aircon, and that's very that's encouraging. Um, so hopefully that'll, that'll, that'll continue to grow. Dragon Meat in London is only one day show, but it's um, also grown significantly and now has a lot of this sort of thing going on in there as well. So, so what, 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 what do you attribute that surge in interest in these sorts of events to? I mean, a, a lot of, there's a lot of talk in the mo- at the moment in yeah. the, the press about a, a board gaming boom. Yeah, yeah, no, there's very much still board gaming. I mean, we were talking to um, Asmodee UK, as, as Deviant, who as they used to be, mm-hmm. um, who are now part of the Asmodee, um, you know, conglomeration of companies, but Asmodee UK, and their main distributors in the UK now, games. And they see the industry has been growing about thirty percent a year for a decade. You know, it's well, been really hefty growth, yeah. which mirrors pretty much what we would say. You know, in terms of our attendance, yeah, it rings true. Uh, so, I think there's several factors. I mean, first of all, I think uh, there is a lot as gaming starting to make its way to the mainstream. So you see Catan being played on the big bang theory. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you see. Carcass and Catan, lots of other games, uh, put as the earth and things in Waterstones, uh, being on sale in Waterstones. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you've got um, board game cafes opening all around the country. You know, there's Thirsty Meeples, of course, in Oxford. Um, it's the first one, but there is um, several. Uh, there's two or three now in Nottingham. There's a couple in Birmingham, um, and other other cities are all, all have are now, are now having these game cafes. So people are going into these. Game cafes in Preston. You know, one of our, our seminar managers. She, she runs her um, her event at Dyson Donuts in, in, in Preston. You know, so um, people are going to these various sizes of cafes, seeing um, you know, their coffee, and then seeing all these games on the shelves. Yeah. And, um, and those places are packed. You know, they go going on a week, an average weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and every table is taken up. Mm-hmm. So um, that means that people are um, seeing it, accessing it in the mainstream. So it isn't just something. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I went to university in the eighties. So I finished in nineteen ninety. So the nineteen eight, you know, in the eighties, um, it was still 
basically you went to Games Workshop when it was the original Games Workshop sure. was, uh, uh, um, sort of before it really sort of transformed across to some more, more figure orientated um, although uh, now it's doing lots more different things role playing and other, other things more games starting to come, come into that its range uh, but in those days you went to Games Workshop to buy your war games um, in some back street in Manchester I was at the university um, and pretty much nobody knew these things really existed apart from uh, very obscure things and you know so those days and, and then you look at the you know so you got these things and then the, the games almost certainly had lots of little cardboard counters die you know cardboard counters and hexagonal maps and things like that for the war games and relatively obscure looking quite complex rules um, so not easily accessible and nowadays the quality of the games has come up immensely you know so you only have to look at some of the some of the amazing sorts of games with the 3D models and figures in and yeah. you know, the, the artwork it's just it's just it leaps and, you know um, it leaps forward from where it was um, um, you know 20, 30, 30 years yeah, ago absolutely. so that makes a difference so yeah, there's just so and I think finally it's there's the social aspect I mean I think you know everyone plays you know computer games and things or tablets or on the TV or whatever it might be on a, on a console um, and although you can play those between between friends online and things um, the great thing about tabletop games is you're around the same table with people you know Absolutely. so you're so you yeah. and, uh, and that sort of you know half the time when we play a game we'll say what do you fancy playing and, and, and quite a lot of the time people aren't that bothered about what they're playing but it's who they're playing it with you know it's, um, a, it's a great you know. point because although with video games you know yeah. you can have your headset you can yeah. talk to people and all that that it's very rare to get meaningful interaction. No, that's right. Yeah. It's mainly about the game and Absolutely. about the thing. And, and, and yeah. whilst you can certainly play lots of board games where you're focused very much on the game and the conversation about that, the fun of a, the fun of those lots of games is the interaction that happens. Yeah. Sometimes coming out of the game, you know, with somebody, um, you know, somebody does something, somebody else in the game. It depends. You know, not everyone likes what you might call a gotcha type you know, mechanics, yeah, yeah, yeah. but. But if you play, if you if you're in that type of a game and you're reasonably open to the concept of a bit of a bit of shenanigans going on and things, yeah. then that that is the fun of it, isn't it? Um, um, and sometimes even if you're really serious about a, a, a heavyweight euro, it can still be, it can still be amusing combinations of things that come out of it. Um, but generally, it's the it's the, it's that social interaction which you um, you know um, which I think is certainly. More pronounced in a in a tabletop game than you could ever really get in a in a computer game. You Absolutely. Know. Uh, you know, maybe virtual reality worlds in the future or something. Who knows? But, uh, but for the moment, I think the tabletop gaming is uh, um, is deliver, delivers that in, you know, in yeah. space. Whether that be a board game or a role playing game, um, you know, it's the, the interaction of the role playing game and the, the collectively generating a storyline that. You know, drives yeah. things forward, which is partially in the GM's head, but partially in the player's head, and a really good. I mean, I, I, I mainly I prefer GMing rather than playing playing games, given the choice. But I, but I always like just to throw a situation, practically, practically an almost impossible to solve situation at people, yeah. and then just see what they come up with. 
and I don't really, you know, I don't, uh, the whole the fun of it is finding out how they're going to solve this yeah. problem. I could, I've got three or four ideas how they could how they could work it out. I, I actually but, I read know, I read an interview know. with Matt Mercer from Critical Role yep, in yep, the yep. Tabletop Gaming Magazine, and he was talking about his process that he goes through when he's creating these scenarios. Yes. And he was talking about how he had this sort of Gollum-esque character that he developed yes. all of this backstory for, yeah. and he was going to be a guide for the players. And then one of the players came in, and as soon as he saw him, killed him. <laughs> no, that, 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 yes, you can, the situation can go completely. I remember we played a game of Traveller once, so I was running this game of Traveller, and I had the whole you know, systems all mapped out in the immediate area the players were in. Uh, and then they went to Mischumps, um, and we were playing a particular version of it where you could play, pay sort of, you know, Bennies or something like that in order yeah. to re- get a re-roll but of course they insisted they didn't want to do this and they just we just had to wing it and so they ended up <laughs> in a di- totally different system yeah. uh, and you know you just got to go with the flow of that situation yeah. you know? um, and um, they sort of and I think that that interaction between the players and the GMs in a, in a role-playing game between the players and the board game even you know even the war game it can be sort of just crazy Situations can come out of the, you know, out of that. They can just be fun, which you just don't really quite get to the same extent. With, you know, with, to, with tablet with a computer game, you know, not just a computer game. It's a you know, play for myself, but it, but I think yeah. uh, I think that's the uniqueness of tabletop gaming, which uh, which which has. Um, so so I think all that combination is why the um, there's been this great surge of interest yeah. in it. Um, I think um, hopefully that'll continue for the, for the time being. I, I, I hope so, and I, I don't foresee it halting anytime no, soon. No, but no, no. Um, one of the things that I've observed about yourself yeah. is that you do make a point of going to as many conventions and gaming events throughout the UK as you can. Yeah. And yeah. I, as someone uh, who's, who organises an event as big and prestigious as UK Games Expo, you know, you, you might think as an observer, like, you know, does someone like Richard really need to be doing that? Do, do you see it as important that you go to a lot of these events? Yeah, I mean, I think there are several reasons why we why we do it. Obviously, from a, from purely the the publisher side of things, uh, this is one opportunity I have to be at a show where I'm not running the thing. What I'm saying, I'm I hold to all meetings for four days with exhibitors who want to come to the expo. Mm-hmm. So we, I think, I played one game at Essen last year. On a Saturday evening, we had a game we were Zool, um, and that was about the only the game. And by then, I was I was I was half asleep through most of it. Uh, and Essen Expo Expo is the same. Uh, very rarely get a chance to do much in the way of playing the game. We usually try and insist that we get something after thirty, even if it's thirty minutes yeah. at some point, just so we play the game our yeah. own show. But I used to get uh, we got to the point of um, being so busy at those that it's quite nice when I come to this and I mainly just run a stand, as it were, yeah. uh, Econ or here or Dragon Meat or someplace like that. Glasgow Games Festival, where you can just um, run some demos and just you know enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Like, after all, that's what we that's the that's the what you're in, that's what you're in the business for, you know, yeah. do the games. So there is that opportunity. I think it's good as a as a, a convention organizer to actually be an exhibitor at some conventions to see how it feels to be on the other side of the coin. Because you know you expand used to, your understanding. Well, yeah, of because it, you yeah. go you go you're running a convention. If you're not actually ever exhibited at a 
a show, you don't really know what it's like to be an exhibitor. You just be you know, here. You know, this is how you. You know, so actually, just seeing it from the other side of the coin. You know, how do where do I park? How do I get in? How do I get my tickets from? You know, um, and all the rest of it. You know, I think is. Uh, it's useful experience you know, to, to have, and whether whether it be a, whether it's a small show or a big one, it's it's all it's all useful stuff. Um, so there's sort of there's that. I I think as well as that, it's helps. You know, I don't, it, so there's the element of of supporting the events as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both you know, whenever we go to these events, I'll normally put something out on social media to say I'll be at this this event yeah. and things. Uh, not particularly because I'm expecting anyone to want to see me, but because. It, it, um, it, you know, hope it may well be that people haven't heard of a particular event, didn't realise this was on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all events are necessarily quite as um, proactive in terms of the the social media promoting sure. of events. Yeah. You know, as well, Chris, will have a lot of lots of little events. Is they often say, "How have you managed to grow the event?" And I say, "You just, you just tell everyone about it repeatedly, continuously, you know, <laughs> until enough, until, yeah. until people get the message." Uh, it's not it's not exactly rocket science. You just have to, you know. Be, be active, but but um, one of the ways that we can be active through the year, when we haven't got anything much to say about ourselves, is by talking about these other events, and, yeah. and that helps them. And, 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 you know, you know, in the background, it also helps us, of course, because yeah. we're, we're there talking. You know, cross yeah, promotion. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think that's that's vital. You know, and I think um, and I think there's lots of overlap as well. The exhibitors that are here. All of them, and I pretty much I think have been to the uh, been to the expo. Um, it's an opportunity to have a quick chat with people that we yeah. don't get the chance to see at Tesla Expo very well because yeah. everyone's busy. Um, so it's a sort of boots on the ground approach for yourself, almost. Yeah. Then. So there's all sorts of reasons. So then there's still things like come to Compulsion, for example. I did a, I did a panel here yesterday, or last year here on game design or something, and. At one point, somebody said, "Oh, the expo. There's no, there's no. That's the event that doesn't have any role playing, isn't it?" And I said, "Well, you know, we've got the biggest role playing schedule of, of any convention in the UK. Yeah. Uh, probably any convention outside of uh, outside of um, America. Probably. You know, we've 450 or something role playing games will be played over the over the theme. Plus, there's, you know, all the all, pretty much every UK publisher and, and international, mm-hmm. a large number of international publishers. Paizo were there." You know, at the show, so um, you know, uh, uh, Cubicle Seven, uh, Chronicle. You know, there's a number of there's a number of other um, role-playing publishers, Chaosium. Um, so, I think sometimes coming to the little events is a good way. Oh, well, equally, yeah, go. I go to Glasgow Games Festival, and they say, "Oh, that's the event. No, you're mainly role-playing, aren't you? You don't have much board games." <laughs> so, so, no, we've got quite a few of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I think I think there is sometimes that. It's, it's, it's amazing how you can be running for 12 years or whatever it is, and still people, even in the same city, the event runs out in Birmingham. Haven't, haven't, you know, haven't heard of you. I went to an event in Bromsgrove called the Great Indoors, which is one of the one of those little local events, only gets a couple hundred people, uh, but mainly open game and things. But I was there, and there was someone playing Great Fire, I think it was, uh, and they're from Warsaw, just miles away from the miles away only from the NEC. And they said, "Oh, I've never heard of the UK Games Expo." You think, "What do we have to actually do to, yeah. <laughs> to get to, to the yeah. people have heard of you?" So I think there's, um, I think it goes to show that for any of these events, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who might want to come and play you at the games that you know are your sort of an event and do the open gaming and the tournaments and all the rest of the event stuff mm-hmm. that goes on. Who maybe still haven't heard of you? Um, 
and uh, people are very parochial quite often and um, you know so so it is quite good to sort of say well you know you get on a train and you know come to come to something um, you know because if you've not been to the UK Games Expo the scale of it sometimes um, blows people away you yeah. know but Beasts of War who are you know, official media sponsors of the Expo and are live streaming this year they had heard about us uh, came for the first time last year and walked in and basically fainted <laughs> because they huh? so I didn't realise it was quite as big as this you know, I think they just hadn't quite conceived you know, yeah. what you know in that case 14,000 square metres of trade hall looks like yeah. you know uh, in our case this year it's you know we've got two halls of 25,000 um, so I think 300 exhibitors you know the and all the conceivable games you can think about. Someone emailed me the other day and said, "Can you give me a list of all the games that will be will be playable at the expo?" Yeah. And I said, "Seaboard Game Geek, go there, <laughs> work your way down all the lists. Pretty much anyone on that list, there's a good yeah. chance someone will have it on sale. Uh-huh. Maybe a demo. There'll probably be a copy in the library. Yeah. Uh, if you want to play it, there's a good chance you, you can you can find it to play. Yeah. Um, so I think um, yeah, the scale of it sometimes." even staggers us as we walk in there yeah it does usually when people haven't been before they, they, they're used to maybe little events of two or three hundred people and a few of the publishers and then they walk they walk in the door and they see that, that I don't know fancy flight game stand is 300 square metres of space you yeah. know uh, the first year of the expo was, we did the whole show in 850 square metres of space yeah. you know? we're probably going to be using 30,000 square metres this year uh, yeah. the size of it is, is, is just enormous um, so, and I think that means that what we uh, sometimes people are a bit afraid of, of the size of, of the expo. They think, oh, this is it's too big. You know, yeah. you know. Um, I think, well, you know, you don't have to necessarily. If you find it busy on the Saturday, there are lots of other opportunities to do things. You know, so if you are thinking, oh, it's just way too busy on a peak time on the Saturday to walk yeah. around the trade halls, well, you've got you've got things you can be doing. You can the open gaming space. We'll, we'll have two and a half thousand seats in open gaming space peak time on a Saturday, uh, so you can go and sit in there and play some games. And board, we can borrow from the board game library. There are there are seminars, um, you know, being run by lots of people, including the Dice Tower, Shop and Sit Down, the Ian Livingston, you know, mm-hmm. I'm father of the hobby games industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's 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 lots of those where you can go and hear, hear people who do designers talk about things. There are the publishing designer track seminars and workshops. So if you want to find out about Kickstarter and you know, how to to make prototypes and how to market games and how to play test them and all the rest of it, then, then you, can, you can go and find find a seat in one of those places. Um, there's tournaments, of course, so you can go and, go and play a tap tournament, a carpet tournament, or Bricola. Or I think, I think Josh and myself you know. are planning to enter the Shadespire tournament. All right, yeah, that's, uh, well, that's, that's going to be there. That's going to be there, and they, those events usually get to quite sizable. Um, but then you've got the live entertainment tracks that we do, which are sort of a combination of um, comedy events meet gaming events, really. So there are. Uh, the Dark Room, which is run by John Robertson, who's an insane Australian bloke, um, <laughs> basically, anyway, describing him. And he runs a game based on the adventure of games in the 1980s. You know, you wait to find yourself in a dark room, what do you do? Sure, yeah. I go north, and how do you know which way north is? And so on. And he does it live. So he literally, in the, in the, in the room, it's all darkened, and all you can see is his head floating around, illuminated. Yeah. Uh, and behind him on the screen, there is a sort of, sort of mock-up of a computer console type thing. 
and you've got your choices on there. So you know, switch on light. Well, where, where is the light switch? How do you know where the light switch is? Okay, well, I'll uh, feel the wall. Or the, wheel, the, the, the wall likes it, um, and so on. And, and so the so it's that interaction between the person yeah. who's who's and someone in the audience gets picked on to be the choices, and, and inevitably they die, and someone else gets to go, and so on. Um, so the things are the dark room, and we've got live role-playing games where the maybe there's a there's a panel uh, of guests, or a bunch of guests playing the game, and the, the audience is choosing the monsters and the environment. Um, I came up here to the Fringe in, in August. One of those sort of uh, tough jobs, but someone has to do it. Things you come up here and wander around the Fringe and go and see some of the live gaming shows. So that's where we picked the the dark room. Where we picked up the um, Jolly Boat, which is a pirate. Uh, the, the what is it called? The UK's first pirate song duo, or something. It's a, they're, they're basically a pair of brothers who do mainly pirate-related songs, but they also got lots of geek songs. Okay. So I think at the expo they'll be doing more their geek, geek culture yeah, songs. Yeah. So Star Wars, Harry Potter, all the rest of it. You'll, yeah, you'll yeah. Assume you'll get references to, um, and they're they're just good fun. It's a bit of a, an hour's, you know, um, and, and they're just like funny comedy songs. They're just really really funny. So there's lots of those things which show if it's really busy, well, you know, pop it, pop into one of those events um, for uh, for an hour. Um, so, <clears throat> and we've got a lot of rooms. You know, there's a lot of space. There's a lot of there's a lot of different areas of the show. You go outdoors and watch the Vikings beat each other. You know, for half an hour. Um, so there's plenty to do to mean that you have more to do than you can possibly. Yeah, uh, there will inevitably on. something yeah. that. Everyone yeah. will enjoy. Yeah. yeah. So going back to Medusa Games, yep. you are just about ready to launch a new game, is that right? Hopefully so, yeah. So we're at that stage. You always get to a point with the game of thinking, right, are we going to go ahead with this? And is this, uh, oh, what's the time scale? When's, yeah. our, when's our decision day, as yeah. it were? Uh, which would come in some point in June, which is conveniently after the expo, so I can get that out of the way before. So I hope my, my brain works again, so then yeah. I can then I can think about it. But yeah, what we're working on is magnificent flying machines, which is inspired by the the great air races of around 1910, yeah. 1911, which in, in turn inspired a, a, a magnificent flying machines movie. Um, although you know the both the movie and our game are originally inspired by the by this by these air races, yeah. Uh, so um, so we haven't called it those magnificent men in the flying machines because we don't want to get sued by whoever <laughs> copyright uh, owners are. And it's very much based on the on the original air races. So the idea is um, it's the it's the air races of 1910 in which the um, uh, the 32 planes would take off to race around Britain for example four of them would get round yeah. um, there was lots of bonuses along the way for if you were the first first plane to land in may say Manchester or the first person to, to carry a passenger or mm-hmm. uh, carry cargo to, yeah. to a place uh, so we've got lots of that in, in there as well uh, but um, so the, the general idea is you'll be, you'll be choosing a flying machine of the six different sorts uh, yeah. and 18 pilots, 24 bits of equipment, and you sort of put all that lot together into a into a into a, into a flying so, machine. Un- unlucky for all, we're, we were fortunate enough to play a prototype of yes, the game at Glasgow yeah. Games Festival, yeah. and um, you, you can almost approach the game one of two ways. Yep. You can go after objectives, yes, or you can ruin your friend's day. Yes, yes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so you know, they yes, you can just play it fairly straight. My wife, when she plays it, very much goes for the straight laced approach. She doesn't like playing 
pushed away dirty tricks or any shenanigans yeah. so she's sort of she'll play it straightforward she's trying to get down the track she's trying to do all these landings pick up cargoes drop things off and there we go and there's enough uh, inherent you know potential for failure in the game anyway because it's dice it's dice mechanics any dice game has yeah. you know, luck's going to go against sure. you at times and there's, ways, there's many ways of mitigating that um, but ultimately you've got to you've got to way find your way through the game by getting around the, the luck in the elements yeah. in a variety of ways um, other people will play a game quite happy to essentially just scupper everybody else that was, uh, that was us I think we actually we had uh, Callum and Josh yeah. so Callum was right behind Josh yeah. and uh, they were approaching the finish line yes. and Callum decided to <laughs> to throw a brick at Josh. <laughs> so the, the, the way that we, we kind of envisioned this was that Callum had a brick tied yeah. to a string and sort of swung it around and lobbed it at him. Yeah. yeah, so you can, you can, yeah, you can throw bricks at people and uh, sometimes you can, you've got, there is a shotgun in the game, there's a yeah. rifle you can use. Yeah. Uh, there are a number of dirty tricks, so sugar in the tank, which, um, which makes it difficult for them to fly, saw through the wing, which, you know, <laughs> Uh, and a variety of things. You can, just, if you think about the sorts of those, you know, I suppose those tropes of sort of you know the Dick Dastardly type characters, yeah, the, yeah, the Terry yeah, Thomas, yeah, and, you know, all this sort of stuff. That there's 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 that bits in it, and you know you don't you don't have to play it that way. Some people don't like gotcha type games and, 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 and having to go at other people. They want to just play their game, um, you know. So which I think. To be honest, the user game games probably aren't the best ones for them because I think they're most of my games have some element of dirty tricks. Dirty yeah. tricks, yeah, yeah great yeah. fire, you're building other people's houses, you know, in nine worlds at some point or other you're gonna completely muck up someone's plans. Um, yeah. so um, and I think to be honest with you, um, you know, I think those are just the sorts of games my, my, my group do like to play. You know, we, yeah. there's nothing wrong with having lots of strategy and lots of uh, certainly quite a bit of strategy any of those games where you can come up with a plan um, yeah. and that stuff but um, I, I must admit I'm never terribly keen on games um, where it seems to be almost a matter of four of us playing a solo game and it's how clever am I playing yeah. my solo game so yeah, I, how I, clever I you really are. struggled with you know. um, the Marvel deck building game right. rate for that reason yeah. because it, it did feel that I spent half the game watching Josh draw cards. Yeah, yeah. And I you've, think, got, you've got yeah. things that you can each pick from the middle, but that is right. pretty much the extent of the interaction. I, yeah, I, I think that those games in which you are entirely, almost isolated from the other people, yeah. I don't, I don't particularly like that. I don't think you should necessarily have. You, you, you know, we, we put a fair number of elements in to mitigate luck. So if, it, if, if you really just have a terrible turn, bad luck wise, you have a luck token, which gives you an opportunity to pass over test later in the game, you have spare parts, you have all sorts of things that you can spend yeah. and burn to, to get over the, the thing. You're using yeah. resources as you go along and eventually get to a point where you've got nothing left and you, you've opened the land and picked yeah. something up or whatever it might be. But the point is, this is a, this is a game based on a on air races in which only four or 32 planes got round the course mm -hmm. so it, it's not going to be it's not going to be no. just easy all the time and that's we don't want it to be we wanted those certain times when just it's you're a lightning storm over a mountain and, 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 and the odds are getting through are not hard yeah. you know so what do you do do you hang about open the weather or change do you climb the altitude to get the advantage of flying yeah. over the weather um do you land and pick up some more spare parts so you so you can um, you know you just take the chance and ball, ball, bulldozer through, and, uh, and, and I hope that, hope that you'll be lucky. Um, so, 
you know, and I don't really make much apology for those that's those sorts of elements to be honest yeah. I think you know, they, you know but some people like that some people well, I, I, you know, I love you know, them yeah so. I, I love it any yeah. opportunity to ruin a friend's yes yeah, it's always good it's always yeah. good um, so we can expect to see magnificent flying machines around summertime well what we're probably going to be doing assuming it sort of continue, assuming we feel that it's, it's there and, and it goes okay at, here at, at, at uh, Compulsion and also which is the last show before Expo for us uh, and then obviously the Expo yeah. uh, we'll pro- probably we very well take Chances are we'll probably plan to take pre-orders at, at the expo. Mm-hmm. We don't tend to Kickstarter ourselves. There's the reason there's nothing really wrong with Kickstarter. Very, very successful way of funding funding games. Yeah. Uh, but to do a proper Kickstarter campaign is a lot of work, a lot of effort, and we're running the expo <laughs> as well as we do some yeah. games. Um, I just don't have the time to give a proper Kickstarter campaign sort of I've, justice. I've heard know? quite a few designers say that um, yeah. certainly for that first week of a Kickstarter, yeah. you're not going to be sleeping very much. So I think it's, for me personally, it's something where we try and juggle the finances to see if we can you know, get the funds together to, to publish yeah. it and hopefully we get the sales then to cover it and things. And it's not easy by any means. Uh, but it's, um, I'm, so I've not kickstarted it. I, I, I tend to go with it, we'll take pre orders, you know, and then yeah. on the basis we'll then, uh, we, we've, in, the, in the case of Great Fire and, and in the case of. Um, uh, well, the previous games, you know, Nine Worlds and the expansion, you know, yeah. we then do the, the RGB that those pre orders are delivered in advance of Essen. So Essen is where we would be able for for a release. Uh, probably our deadline for a decision is a week or two after mm-hmm. um, uh, the expo, but um, I think the, the chances are we won't reach the expo. We'll be at a stage of be 99% certain that we're, we will go. So we'll, we'll, go we'll definitely it. see it this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think unless we look at it and think, you know, we're, um, we're still not quite happy with something, you know, the artwork is essentially done. Yeah. Uh, we're just waiting for the final few bits and bobs of the artwork. Um, hoping our German translator can get their German translation done um, in, in yeah. time. Uh, but I, I think we're 99% certain we'll be doing it, having it out in time for us and, you know, in, in October. Yeah. Um, so we'll uh, with the plan at the moment. Yeah. So very briefly before we wrap up, for anyone that's been living under a rock yep. does not yep. wait, know when UK Games Expo is happening, uh, well, first weekend of June, so yep. it's uh, Friday 1st of uh, June to Sunday 3rd of June in the NEC in, in Birmingham. Um, lots of information on the website about that, uh, which is www.ukgamesexpo.co.uk. Um, we do have some open gaming happening on the, on the Thursday evening, which is the 31st of, uh, of May, mm-hmm. for early arrivals. There'll be some, there'll be some space sure. for that, but, yeah. then, but the show itself doesn't start properly until the Friday so mm-hmm. so don't turn up expecting everything <laughs> it starts properly on the Friday okay. uh, but Friday it's all it's all all, all, uh, all steam ahead for three three days of very front front of it the gaming uh, so first weekend of June and if you've never been um, come for a day at least and have a look. we have a lot of people that will come and say oh, I might just pop in for a couple of hours see mm-hmm. see what I think and come back and buy a three day, three day ticket. And it, and it is Birmingham NEC, so yes. it's readily accessible yeah, from many transportation. Parts of the country. Hotel wise, a lot of people, something you find people sort of pop up about a week or two before the show. I think I bought my tickets. I don't understand quite why there aren't any hotel rooms available. Yeah. And you say, well, that's because there are 16,000 people we had last year coming come to the expo. Yeah. There are only a certain number of hundred hotel rooms actually on the NEC complex. And by now, they've got, um, yeah. you know. But that doesn't mean you can't have a hotel room. There are uh, many hotel rooms in the central building and the central Coventry, which are 10 or 15 minutes by train. When we go to Essen Spiel or Nuremberg, 
know, Thai fare is the same. We stay half an hour away, you know, in, yeah. in, in, on the end of a train line, sort of thing. Uh, you know, you, these big shows are just like that. Same with the Gen Con, people stay all over the place if you, if you go to Gen Con. Um, so you, you, you know, you, that is just part of the, the nature of a, of a, of a, of a yeah. large convention. But on our website, under accommodation, I think on a visitor, there is a link to a place which does allow you to, to search for hotel rooms, and they've got. Um, discounts off market rates and things so they can give a they can give fairly decent there's even a phone number where you can ring them up and say give us a help with this um, or email them and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll help find your rooms so um, you know don't try and get a £400 a night room in the, in the Hilton if that's what the price is, the rate is up to at the moment mm-hmm. but just just stay a stop or two away on the train line it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not far or if you've got a car you know there are, there are, there are plenty of places you know yeah. not far away by car um Central Solihull's 15 minutes by taxi, you know. So stay until the until midnight or end of the open gaming or whatever if you want to. One o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and then go get a taxi yeah. back if you if you want to. So I understand that people would love to be in the Hilton or the Gentings or one of those close-in hotels, but there are only 500 hotel rooms in, uh, in, 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 on that complex. You know, As the great philosopher Jagger once yeah. said, you can't always yeah. get what you want. No, so you do. Well, I think that is all we've got time for just now. Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Okay. Uh, We'll probably hear from you later on in the year, I imagine. Okay, yes. And for all of our listeners, wherever you are, thank you for listening. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. We are Unlucky Frog Gaming, and I am Ben. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support by giving us money through the Unlucky Frog Patreon. And be sure to check out our website, unluckyfrog.com, to find out more.